0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What if China misdiagnosed its rural malaise? Led by outspoken activist scholars, the combative Central China School of Rural Studies believes it knows the source of rural society's problems. Not everyone in the field agrees, however. Written by Liao Yue published in Sixth Tone, narrated by Jenny McKenzie. As recently as a few years ago, there were few rhythms in the Chinese media more reliable than the publication each spring festival of the annual Doctoral Student Returns to Their Village and Shares Their Thoughts think piece. At the start of each new year, media outlets across China would find a newly minted PhD headed home to the countryside for the holiday and asked them to share their thoughts on the rural life they had worked so hard to escape. The details varied from case to case, but the overarching narrative never changed. Villages were stagnating after the exodus of promising young people, extended family ties were fraying under the pressures of modernity, and traditional morals and order were collapsing. It's a story that, if not quite as old as time, at least dates to the explosive urbanisation kicked off by China's reform and opening up policy. But while scholars of rural studies all agree that the past 40 years have radically remade China's countryside, there is still no consensus on how these changes should be interpreted. According to the most influential school of thought, the Huazheng Shang Tu Pai, or Central China School of Rural Studies, reform and opening up has been an unmitigated disaster for the countryside, ushering in a period of societal collapse that persists today. The group takes its name from the Rural Issues Research Centre at Central China Normal University, where members, including prominent and outspoken scholars like He Shuefeng, first coalesced in the 1990s. Today, it is more often known simply as the Rural School. Loosely organised around the implacable He, the group dominates discussions of rural issues in contemporary China, arguing in favour of privileging local, or indigenous, perspectives, adopting pragmatic solutions to the problems of rural life, and rejecting Western theories as ill-suited to China's unique context. In 2020, the rural schools' criticisms of a village merger programme in the northern province of Shandong went viral, triggered a nationwide debate, and eventually led the province to partially suspend the programme. At the core of the rural school's philosophy is the concept of atomization, a term used by the group's members to sum up the fractured state of rural Chinese society today. In an autonomized countryside, social ties are weak and individuals isolated, with catastrophic results for the rural society's capacity for self-organisation, grassroots governance and the ability to enforce traditional norms and morality. In this, the rural school stays faithful to the work of the pioneering 20th century sociologist Fei Xiaotong, who held that traditional Chinese villages were acquaintance societies composed of face to face groups and founded on Confucian ethics. They see the unprecedented mobility of the past 40 years as having led to the gradual disintegration of these acquaintance societies, with relations between people in the countryside increasingly resembling the autonomized stranger societies found in cities. Borrowing a metaphor from Karl Marx, the rural school scholars like to compare these autonomized societies to a bag filled with potatoes. There are no organic, diverse connections between individuals, and individuals have trouble forming a sense of belonging or taking collective action beyond the nuclear family unit. As the rural school sees it, The various problems that have emerged in rural China since the reform and opening up can all be traced back to the autonomization and alienation of relations between acquaintances and face-to-face groups, brought on by the country's market reforms. The solution, therefore, must involve the bolstering of grassroots organs, the reconstitution of rural collectives, and the improvement of rural society's capacity for self-organisation. Although the sheer volume of the rural school's arguments risks drowning out all opposition, not every Chinese scholar accepts the idea that atomization is a new or unique phenomenon. Anthropologist Zhao Shudong, for example, has offered one of the sharpest criticisms of the rural school's arguments. In essence, Zhao believes that the rural school's view of traditional village life is overly influenced by Fei's acquaintance society concept. But this was just one element of a far more complex argument Fei was making about Chinese society. In traditional villages, there were not just acquaintances but also strangers, and relationships between villages were not always predicated on tenderness and trust. Indeed, the various bizarre and shocking phenomena He Feng likes to cite in support of his claims, such as theft, pyramid schemes, and the stabbing of close relations in the back, were hardly unheard of in villages prior to reform and opening up. At its core, Zhao's argument is that the traditional rural society is not necessarily the antithesis of autonomization described by He and other rural school scholars. Moreover, he believes the rural school's concept of autonomization is predicated on an overly simplistic and dichotomic view of city versus countryside. According to He and other rural school scholars, The city and countryside are totally independent entities representing two opposing ways of life. The countryside is an acquaintance society, whereas the city is a stranger society. Autonomization is essentially the process by which the former takes on more and more traits of the latter. If you buy into this dichotomy, it's easy to attribute many of the problems that have emerged in rural society to the disintegration of traditional village life and the corrupting influence of urbanism and modernity. But the reality is that villages and cities have always existed on a spectrum. They are fundamentally interdependent and mutually constitutive. The crises of governance He and the rural school have identified thus cannot be explained away as symptoms of encroaching urban values. Rather, they may be better understood as side effects of years spent trying to forcibly separate the rural from the urban. Zhao has also criticised the rural school's emphasis on finding solutions rather than conducting impartial research. Although the school's work is ostensibly grounded in local and indigenous perspectives, its members often view villages through the lens of modern urban life as problems that need to be solved. Unsurprisingly, they tend to arrive at the same reductive conclusion, that the countryside is plagued with issues that can only be resolved through external intervention, namely that of the state. The problems identified by the rural school also tend to reflect the preoccupations of officials and the urban elite, rather than the villagers themselves. I've seen this play out in my own fieldwork. While carrying out research in a village in the northern province of Shanxi, local cadres repeatedly complained to me that the villagers lacked a collectivist spirit. Even when higher-level officials from the nearby township visited in person to rally them, the villagers still weren't willing to bring their doorways up to code, For a major village clean-up campaign. In the end, the village came in dead last in the associated municipal hygiene survey. No doubt that was frustrating for the officials tasked with fulfilling the state's goals, but was it really a sign of poor collectivist spirit? That same year, when local cadres failed to promptly address a local water supply issue, the villagers spontaneously banded together to elect village delegates, actively assisted experts sent in from the township in investigating the issue's causes, And supervise the implementation of a solution. It's clear that, even in villages where the collectivist spirit has supposedly eroded, public affairs that have a concrete impact on villagers' daily lives can nonetheless rouse them into taking collective action. If it's not already obvious, I tend to agree with Zhao's criticism of the rural school. Although the concept of autonomisation offers certain insights into the problems of rural governance, On its own, it fails to encapsulate the complex transformations underway in rural society. On an individual level, interpersonal relationships in villages are indeed no longer as intimate as they once were. However, traditional acquaintance societies were in part defined by their closedness and low degree of mobility. It's a matter of perspective. Tsukho, the disintegration of interpersonal relationships in the countryside, is a symptom of modernity. To Zhao, rural society was always autonomized, only that autonomization used to be confined to the regional level as villages existed in relative isolation from each other. Given how reform and opening up has increased social mobility and knitted once disparate villages and cities back together, one could even argue that the transformation of rural society is precisely the opposite of autonomization. The atoms, no longer cordoned off from each other, are colliding, releasing the pent-up energy of rural society. Furthermore, the solutions proposed by the rural school, such as expecting the state to bolster villages' capacity for self-organisation, are also full of contradictions. From the perspective of a centralised government, autonomised social relations may be disadvantageous to rural governments, but any increase in capacity for grassroots organisation could also pose a risk to centralised rule. Organisations based on native place, Kinship ties and folk beliefs, once common throughout the Chinese countryside, have been repeatedly suppressed, supposedly because they were antithetical to modernisation. Viewed in this light, autonomization is perhaps not the cause of contemporary rural society's woes. Rather, these problems result from the challenges of adapting China's centralised mode of governance to the rapid transformation of rural society.